welcome to Make That Paper, the show where we talk about all the crazy jobs we do to make the cash we need to pursue our artistic dreams. And because while the best things in life are free, a good margarita will cost about 10 bucks. That's cheap. Tell me where. Seriously, is that too far? <laughs> That's great. On this episode, we are chatting about the puppy patrol profession and the reality TV trade. Plus, we'll get the dirt on the casting intern task. We are your hosts, Jamie Parker Stickle. And Jason Bieber. And today we are speaking with a super talented actor, writer, and producer who has been cranking out hit shows like Blippi, the Go Big Show on TBS, and then the new reality dating show, I'm so excited, Marriage Pact. Yeah, I know what Jamie's next obsession is going to be. <laughs> For real. Yeah, uh, we all came up together. We all came up together on the mean streets of Hollywood at the now defunct Second City Hollywood. Oh, Bitterness. Rude. Please Sadness. welcome to the show our very good friend and one of the nicest and best people ever, the one and only Carrie Weisberg. Yes, Carrie Weisberg. It's Hi. me, Carrie Weisberg. Dun, 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 dun. Dun, 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 and that's it. And that's the show, that's right? And end recording. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. We have two listeners this has happened to. But the first time it happened, they wrote up. I was going to say, don't stop at that uh, for two listeners. Brag yeah, on two ten. listeners. No, that this particular <laughs> incident happened to that wrote me about it at the time. They were listening to the podcast at the gym on the treadmill, and they both fell off laughing so hard. So oh, um, I'm just no going to tell y'all, no pressure, mm -hmm. but Carrie is that funny. So we're going to get okay. into it. Oh, I thought this was going to be like a trigger warning type thing where like, if, listener, if you're on a treadmill at the moment. <laughs> Walk. Steep incline Please. and walk. Yeah. Attach attach the cord to your shirt, the auto stop. Make sure that's firmly affixed. <laughs> oh yeah. That yes. that'll save a life. That's Carrie just is, a safety warning. Carrie Buckle your so seatbelt if you're in the car. Yeah. We'll pull over. Because Carrie Weisberg is here. And she's you guys honestly. Honestly, sometimes I lurk on Carrie's social media because she's so funny and I don't know what she's gonna say next. And the fact that like I I honestly feel like she is an influencer, even though I don't want to give you that title because I feel like you're better than that because you're actually trained. This is a trained professional actress, mofos. So you're like, you're not an influencer, but you are my influencer. Yeah. Oh, but my God, if you just put me on the level with some awesome Gen Zers, I have never been more yes. flattered. Yes. Oh, you're yeah. so good. You're so good. Oh, For we're going to move you into a hype house next week. The way you can right. turn yeah. the way you can me. turn a story upside down, like oh. <laughs> you'll be like you will be like, um, God, I can't remember the one of my favorite ones that I saved it in my Instagram stories. You were I bet you it was my upstairs wildly oh, crazy neighbor. Those were great. Those were great. If yeah. you're not following Carrie, follow her on social media because she has like <laughs> running commentary on things. But sometimes you're like, at, you you do this like, not lonely girl. I can't think of the right mm. word I, that I've titled it, but I'm like, oh, should I reach out to Carrie? And then you make it so funny that I'm like, is this all really dry humor? <laughs> this is all my feelings inside right now coming out. It's, and it's, it's just the funniest. It's just the funniest cry for help you'll ever hear. That's what it I'm saying. It really is. It's, every now and then I have to be careful because like, I think it's relatable, especially over the past few years where it's like, everyone's a little sad and broken, but then like, I'll post something that's like a little too earnest. And then, you know, there's always a bit in there cause I can't help myself. And then my mom will text me and be like, do we need to talk? And I'm like, mama, 
no. You know, like my nine-year-old self comes out and I'm like, get out of my room. So <laughs> speaking of that, I have a crime novel I wrote that's completely fiction that, that I gave my parents an early draft copy of this year, like, cause it's going to come out soon. Um, well, my agent will be happy to hear that. And she's like, where's it coming out? <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> I have to say that otherwise. You heard it here first. <laughs> Sign up for the pre-order. Anyway, mm-hmm. she's not listening. No, she probably is listening. She likes the show. Um, but but um, I gave a copy to my mom and definitely, definitely, I have quoted the shitty shit my mom says and I've totally forgotten because it took me four years to write this book and in edits and rewrites and whatever. People, it takes a long time to write a good novel. Pe- yeah. Period, period. I'm not even going to get into it. But my mom's reading it and I'm like, how's the book so far? And she's like, um, it's a little difficult. <laughs> and I'm like, oh shit, did I put the part about being an alcoholic in there? Jesus Christ. About my mom being an alcoholic, which she denies, yeah. but is. And I'm like, but like, I have this line in it where I'm like, leave it to an alcoholic to teach you how to sober up the next day. And like her remedy for sobering up, which she, that's hers. It's trademarked. Yeah. And she's like, Jesus Christ, this is a difficult story, Jamie. I thought it was fiction. Oh my God. God bless. I mean, if we learn anything from the entertainment industry, nothing is truly fiction. It can't be. It's not possible. It's not. Yeah. Of course, like, nothing is truly true either. That's well, that's yeah. also very, very true. Where it's like you pull from what you know. That's how you're a good writer. You have yeah. to. Sorry, mom. Speaking of, let's get to your jobs because I think pulling from what you know, you could just write an entire series of your jobs because you have like this thing where you are incredibly intelligent, incredibly talented, and done the funniest jobs to like the most exclusive jobs like you go like from here to here it's like you take these breaks in between and the first one I want to talk about is dog walking with your fancy Mm. clientele oh my god so when I listen if if anyone knows me they know that I'm a dog freak I always I've always loved dogs I've got a new puppy she's a psychopath and we love her for it my older dog Millie is my entire soulmate like you know people say like your heart beating outside your body when you have a human child. This is my heart. So I've always loved dogs. But when I first moved to LA, I was broke. I had no work. I didn't know how to get work. So one of the first jobs I was like, I know I can do this. I can walk people's dogs. So it was this cool company that like, you kind of make your own schedule. You have like a window of, I think at the time it was like a three hour window. Like you come walk my dog between one and 4 p.m. And you have that person's keys, you know, you meet the dogs and the people first, and there are a handful of clients that each walker has. So I always had this regular, and I won't say who they are, but they were on a TV show for a very long time. Are they old? um, Are they boomer old or Gen X old? um, They're Gen X old. Okay. And they are so kind. They had this beautiful German shepherd, my favorite dog to walk. She was sweet. She was mellow. And more often than not, they, when they knew I was coming, she would be like on their side yard, you know, like this fancy ass house. So they would leave the dog outside in like a locked gated area. And so when I would start approaching, you know, dogs can smell you. So I would always say like, I was like, hey girl, it's me. And she would just like, I could hear her like wet, wiggling and like being excited, She's so well-mannered. So more often than not, I would just get her outside. And one day I showed up 
And at the time they had gotten another uh, German Shepherd. Listen, I'm a rescue mom. I love all dogs. I will love your purebreds. I'm not a shamer, but I will say my rescue babies are perfect. Anyway, so they got another German Shepherd. And this time there was a puppy and the older girl, they weren't outside. And so they were like, if they're not outside, just ring the doorbell. Usually the housekeeper answered and was like, oh, here they are. They were just like eating or whatever. I ring the doorbell. This motherfucker, TV star, famous, answers the door. And his wife, first of all, his wife is, um, she's a pediatric heart surgeon, I think, or some kind of, some kind of like crazy brain, really beautiful soul, like wonderful woman so educated, hardworking. This guy answers the door in a shorty robe. Must have been her robe. Nothing huh. underneath. And I was like, um, uh. I, I'm just here for the dogs. He's like, come on, just hang out with me by the pool for a little bit. And I was like, you know, a baby. I was 23 maybe. And I was like, you know, wanted to be an actor, wanted to do anything to do with TV. And I was like, all the things in my brain are happening right now. And I was like, what do I do? So I go and I sit by the pool and we like chat for a while. And I'm like, probably shaking. I don't remember, but I was like, and I'm going to go take them on a walk. And I leave. And it's one of those things in my life that I was like, I don't think, I don't think it was like a, I don't think it was a me too situation. It wasn't a me too situation. I don't think it was even going that direction. I think Mm -hmm. homie was living his best life and his, beautiful mansion and was Mm -hmm. like oops you caught me while I was making my coffee naked and threw something on his wife bought that mansion even if he was on tv like that's her (laughs) money people that wasn't his money it's her robe it's it's it's, her life listen listen they have a full-time housekeeper that answers the door for them that's her money and Mm -hmm. it's her well not not that day she makes that paper okay Exactly. Ooh. Um, okay. okay. So, so, but at the moment, she's you're so smart, like, you guys. Carrie Weisberg is so good. <laughs> <laughs> but at the, okay, so at the moment, you're you are, in hindsight, you think it was fine. In the moment, you thought you were maybe in a bad situation. Yeah, but also there's part of me, you know, like fresh to LA. That's like, is this how I get a job on right. my TV show? No. Yeah. Is 100%. this like? is he going to remember me now? And then he's, he's going to tell, I didn't know the thread, but I was like, at the time I was like, is he going to tell the casting directors that he's got the coolest dog walker? Like, no, of course not. I'm fucking covered in dirt. I, I've been <laughs> up dog shit all day. I'm sweaty because all you do is like drive around this massive sprawling city and walk other people's dogs and clean up their shit. And I, listen, I would do it now, but right. it's not like glamorous, you know, like he hit their walk by the way, was like, I would take those dogs to Runyon. So it's like not yeah. like a stroll. Right. It was, yeah. it was a legitimate hike with two German shepherds. And, you know, and so I was like, um, I'm off. And he's like, all right, well, maybe next time I'll walk with you. And I was like, then why are you paying me? Because he's yeah. a companion. He, he doesn't have a friends. day off. Like, he wants it's, some friends. It's not necessarily a part of the show, but I really do feel like it is a part of the show to talk about that, like as young talent coming, especially as women, and I know it does happen to young males as well, but proportionately to young women, it happens. And we're supposed to navigate as 23-year-olds, 24-year-olds, what's appropriate and what's not, what room, like your job through your company is to go in that house and collect those dogs. So you say, 
And the fact that people would be like, well, you said yes and went in and sat by the pool with them. So if something happened, where it's your culpability in that? None, no culpability. None. He has been there. He is a grown up. None. He's a grown up. None. He's a grown up. And it was like, it was just so strange. So like I had the weirdest, you know, it was one of those, I loved that job and yeah. it was flexible and it was cool. And I got to see LA a little bit, like get a little bit used to the city, which was nice, but it was just so strange. And it's like such a strange way to interact with someone that like has this job, this life that you are so aspiring for and be like, okay, well maybe one day I'll have a dog walker. But like, it's like, do I interact <laughs> with them this way? First of all, I will never, well, that's not true. I, I would do it if it's better for you, the dog. Listen, if you're busy, yeah. if you're shooting, you're, that, your dog shouldn't suffer. No. Thank you. Yeah. But it was just, it was so strange. And then the other tiny tidbit about this is, um, it's so funny. And I don't even think that he knows this. So like peripherally, um, Joe Kelly, you guys know Joe Kelly. Yep. Yeah. Uh, of, of the Ted Lasso world yeah. and, and much more. Um, he had a dog and I didn't know him at the time, but like, this has then come to, I realized it later. He had a dog that I loved and only rarely got to walk the walker. He had like a specific walker and I would cover named ladybug. Oh. And it was, I think she was a, she was a Corgi. I think she was a full Corgi. Maybe she was a Corgi mix, but so she had like little baby leggies and she was so sweet. So and she's not doing all of Runyon. No, we did a smaller walk. We walked around her little neighborhood and, mm. and, um, but years later I, um, got into the comedy world where I met you beautiful humans. And I was like, oh, well, I know Joe Kelly, but Joe Kelly doesn't know me because I used to walk his dog. I used to be in his house and take his dog out. And can you please tell him that I say hi to ladybug? You know, I would like tell our, our mutual friends and <laughs> so weird. It's so weird. But it's like one of those, like, I never would have thought I would have. It's a slided world. No, absolutely. What I always say is, one, the people who end up here, who stay here, know it the minute they get here. They land and they're like, oh, I'm home. I can never leave. I'm home. It has nothing to do with the business, but it's a cultural community of artists in general. You are understood in a way that you've never been understood your whole life. Two, if you make it here past 10 years which those of us who belong here do, do, you end up, you're only three degrees. Kevin Bacon, six, seven degrees. No, you are three, two, one degree away from everybody else who's lasted here. That's right. Totally. <clears throat> and totally. not just that, but is the more you like, the more you day job, yeah. the more you know people in, in intimate ways yep. that are un unexpected. Yeah. You know, like, I remember being in a Hollywood party and meeting a producer and knowing, but not being able to tell them, like, I've actually been through all of your finances yeah. because, I, because, because I worked in an accounting it. firm. Right, 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 right. <laughs> and but I, that I, sentence I, alone, they're like, yeah. sir, you're arrested. This is a citizen's arrest yeah, and yeah. <laughs> get the fuck out of my house. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I also think that's funny because that's how you get a lot of dirt and gossip and you're like, no, it's not hearsay. It's okay. That is technically hearsay, but it's true. I trust this person. I did their makeup on something. They yeah. bought expensive moisturizer from me. God damn it. Um, yeah. yeah. That's how I met the <laughs> one yeah. governor's wife. 
Yeah. Anyways, the point just, and I found out a lot about Arnold Schwarzenegger, which by the way, she says he's a very good man, but he still, he stole the governorship. FYI. Oh, no, totally. You know, we're not going to do that. Only, but, only the first time. Only the first time. But that's but what I'm saying is you, you actually meet so many people that are so influential or involved in people's lives. And I, it's just like, everybody's just a person and it's like a big high school of gossip and who knows who and who was doing what and who's actually a really great person. And it's crazy. And, and Jamie, the thing with that though, in this industry, and this is what I always tell, like when I'm on a new show and there's like an, a PA that comes up to me, is like, I want to do what you do. I'm like, listen, if I can give you two pieces of advice, one, be nice to everyone. It takes nothing to be kind. You're going to have bad days and that's okay. You don't have to be you don't have to like fake it. You, you don't know who anybody is ever in this world, in this mm-hmm. town, in this industry. So just be nice, you know, start off that way. If they're an asshole back to you, yep. then you can be an asshole back. That's fine. I'm fine with that. And <laughs> number two, I have Carrie Weisberg's permission to be yes. an asshole. Okay. Yeah. Look, if they listen, if someone cuts me off in traffic, you don't want to know what I'm saying to them. Um, and number two in this town, no one knows what they're doing. Nobody, not one person, not, not the most successful showrunner. They do a good job because they don't know what they're doing and they adjust and they make changes and they listen to their people around them and they surround themselves with good people. But to get where you are, no one knows there's, you know, everyone always says there's not like one clear path, but the secret is that no one knows what the fuck they're doing. We don't know what we're doing. You just do it. That's mm-hmm. absolutely right. We come from a people that are like, still like, wait till you're asked, wait till you're asked and not yeah. putting out, not don't put forth your ideas. Like when I was coming up, I was a writer forever. And I started in the news when I was in college, I was in Detroit local news. And I did that for some uh, less than a year after I got out of college. It's not ever what I wanted to do, but I'm from Detroit and there wasn't a lot of industry there right and I knew where Mm -hmm. I wanted to go but it took a minute but nobody wanted to like make a wave follow the path this wasn't my point (laughs) here it was like I quit my job in the news and I just decided I was going to leave and I drove across the country by myself and I didn't know anybody and I was determined to make it oh I was a writer that was it okay sorry got got back we got back we got back I know I've always been a writer I was a writer in college I was writing on shows in college I was writing in high school for shows and when I got out here and acting has always been a huge part of my life they were like do not say you're a writer do not try to be a writer you are an actor like my first agent I probably would be in a different place with my career had I not fucking listened and every time I tried not to listen they slapped my fucking wrist and it was sit you know, do as you're told. It's crazy. Yeah, well, it's, it's not, hard. It's it's not surprising that there's so much bad advice baked in. There's good yeah. advice too. And I think your mm-hmm. advice is fantastic. But I think it's fantastic. This this industry, like every industry, is dependent upon workforce. A lot of us, a lot of people have to stay at the bottom for everyone to climb on top of them. Yeah, and it's it's really really interesting that you say that Jamie because it took me years to figure out exactly the same thing where it's like I've always been an actor I've always I was in shows my whole life and I you know I even in college I wouldn't do improv because I was like I do scripted 
Right. And like, right. look at me now. What a fucking joke. Mm-hmm. I teach improv. I live in the improv community. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Um, but like, it took me years to find that for me. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, I was able to make a really hard turn a couple of years ago to less side jobs as they're defined and more like production jobs, but still like, you know, when I'm on set and I'm producing a TV show or a producer on a TV show, I still, it's taken me years to get here, but I still am like, yeah, I'm a writer and an actor also, you know, and you have to remind people all the time. You have to remind, I have to remind myself, but it's also, um, it's tricky because like my soul, my entire body, I feel, I just want to be an actor, but I also found love for the, the things that are paying my rent. And I'm happy to do those, you know, side jobs that, that exactly what both of you are saying, like, you know, I'm not letting people step on me anymore because it's like, no, no, you can't, you can't be a producer because then what if you miss an audition? And it's like, but I don't. And I've made it clear that I'm doing all of these things. And if you're good and, and communicative at what you do and your jobs, turns out people want you to be successful and you can do it all. You can do all of the things. Yeah. It's amazing the way, and that is, it has changed so much, but I remember coming into this town and being told, you know, you need to maintain separate resumes as a writer and as a producer, as an actor, and and not to mention anything else you do, because no one wants to know you do anything else. And yet at the same time, you'd watch the fucking Academy Awards and see people like be ultra celebrated for being a triple threat. Yes, but not you. But not you. But not Not you. you. Not you, no. Yeah, it's weird. It's such a mind game. Um, It it really, really is. And it's like, it's frustrating because I'm trying to help, you know, you know, the one or two people that come up to me on those sets that are like, I want to do what you do. And I was like, what is it that you really want to do? Like, they're like, oh, well, I want to produce, but I also like one day want to be a director. And it's like, go talk to the director. They're people too. They are humans. And someone had to give them their first job as an AD. Someone had to give them their first job as an AP. Like it's, someone has to pull you up and no one knows what you do until you say it. Like we all live in our own brains all the time. And it's like, I want, I have dreams, I have goals, but yeah, no one knows them if you don't talk about it. And stop asking so- permission to go talk to someone about their job. Exactly. Like the minute yeah. I, I, I stopped asking permission was huge. It's tough for it, women. It, it was tough. I it didn't happen until I had a child of my own, which is like mm-hmm. feels like a very long time to have lived a life to only then have a child and go, why the hell have I been asking people for permission to live my life the way I want to? And that's why everything started at 40 for me because I stopped. Yeah. You know? And 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 it's like it's ingrained in us as women I think too unfortunately that it's like stay small don't take up space do what you're told and unless like be be pretty if you want to be noticed be pretty not be smart not be talented be pretty smile more smile Smile more more and like don't be annoying and don't be bossy and don't be loud and it's like those are all the things that are intrinsically me like I am annoying (laughs) I am loud I am. Bossy. I never thought you were annoying. 
I know I'm annoying. <laughs> I'm annoying too. People tell me I'm annoying all the time. I got somebody told me oh. in the writing program at Second City that I was annoying, and I was yeah, like, maybe fuck you. Maybe I just <laughs> like annoying people. Is that yeah. it? I mean, you do. It could be. You do. Uh, I do. It's, yeah. you know, it's part of our charm. I'm fine with it. I'm just intrinsically a little sister, you know, like I, I know I'm annoying and uh, I'm fine with that. It took me a long time to be fine with it because everything's like exactly what you said, be pretty, be smile. And it's like, yeah. you know, I, I know, <laughs> no. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's still hard for me to go outside without makeup on because I'm a Afraid, even going to the grocery store that a person I auditioned for 10 years ago will see me and be like well you're uncastable now and I'm like you didn't cast me then for fuck's sake what do you no. mean no oh, I was gonna I was gonna do a little steering here I'm just gonna oh, put my here. hand gently on the rudder of the ship do it I'm just having um, too much fun do it I know and it's great but we do have a topic Yes. And okay. that topic is the jobs that you have done. And I would like to talk to you about a job that we did together. Well, it was your job and I was kind of um, an interloper. Which uh, one? And that's, that, that's working at Second City. You worked there? Mm-hmm. Well, oh, yeah. I know Carrie did. I, I didn't know Bieber did. I, so, you were yeah, an intern, never, weren't you? I was an intern. I've never talked about this on the show. Wow. Um, yeah, I was an intern at Second City Hollywood, where Carrie was a professional employee. Um, uh, were you not? You were no, I was. In the I was when I was a writing student there. Yeah, I wouldn't use the P word for me. I worked mm. there. I got paid, oh. and I was an employee. I okay. <laughs> All right. Okay. She doesn't want I, any lawsuits, I, so keep going. Right. Fair. I, I think we're outside of the statute of limitations, but. Sure. I will honor your reticence. No, I'm just, uh, I'm just that, that said, um, I remember, so I was a student at Second City and you were yep. working in the office and I just remember popping by for whatever reasons, because I was bored and lonely and needed friends. And somehow you made working at Second City seem like such a fun job. I didn't know what you were doing. I knew you had a desk uh-huh. and you had to be uh-huh. at that desk. Sure. Uh, and I, for all I know, your job was to keep the desk from moving, but mm-hmm. you made it seem so fun and friendly that I was like, how do I, I think I'm missing something on this whole experience by not working in the office. Oh. So I got an internship at the office only to find out afterwards that the reason to do so was to get free classes. Correct. Which I never did. You, that's why never I used didn't it. know. That's why I didn't know and you never said anything. You're fine, embarrassed. <laughs> I I think I I think I did like two free drop-ins. I think I still have credit. Oh. I'm a hundred percent sure you do. I'm a hundred percent sure. I'm pretty no. sure I, you well, you were kind of in charge of that book, weren't you? Could you Yeah, there was that, that book. You could have, but R.I.P. Yeah. yeah. I'll pop into the Brooklyn Training Center and say I'm due oh, for like a drop me, in. Let me talk about Carrie yeah. Weisberg. And I'm I'm gonna watch what I say. Oh. Because um there were some office people. I thought everyone was like, remember Jonathan Brown? Was that his name? I was yeah. Jonathan Browning. Brown. Yeah, he's that's the same name as our dentist, but he's not our dentist. Anyways, he was no. great. Um thank God he's not your dentist. Uh, Jesus. That would be crazy. But there a was nightmare. Some- I would let him in my mouth though. <laughs> I would let him in my mouth too. Um yeah. That's weird, you guys. 
Um, I will say this. Carrie Weisberg was the person you wanted to get on the phone when you called. Yeah. Yeah. That is the kindest thing that you could say. You always hoped everyone was like, I would talk with like Katie Krentz and Mirage Thrams and Matt Denicourt, and we were like, call between these hours when Weisberg's there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it, was like, uh, it was actually kind of funny. Like, I'm sure you didn't know most of us, but we were like, Oh, yeah, I knew you. Oh, Carrie Weisberg's working. That oh, was that's really, really sweet. You funny. know, it's, um, it was one of those things, Bieber, you said it perfectly. I started as an intern because I wanted friendship and, yeah. and I was already taking classes. So I was going to use those credits. And then they, um, and then I was like, I can't be an intern anymore. I have to like, you know, pay rent too. And they're like, oh, well, we'll hire you. So I, you know, was part-time and then I was full-time and it was a customer service job. It was a customer service job for a theater that I loved and a community I loved. And I will and the say, customers were us. And the customers were like yeah. fun people. And it was a small office staff. I will say that Jonathan Browning is one of my favorite people on this entire planet. He is one of the best human beings. He at a certain point during my career in the office at Second City kept me single-handedly sane and alive and joyful because he is so funny. He is just like a good soul and it's hard it's hard to work in that office because you see it's customer service but also you see a lot of growth in other people and there's that that tinge of jealousy that you're constantly trying to like push down and also celebrate and support your community and your friends Um, but you see it all and you see you know teachers can't teach anymore because they get a series regular and and you're like oh that's amazing also what am I doing sitting behind this desk so You guys yeah. saying all of those nice things about me in the office is very kind because eventually I had to leave because I was I was feeling um, sad. I was feeling like I can't, I'm going to get stuck here. It's easy to take a regular paycheck, right? It's yeah. easy for health insurance. It's easy to have a consistent flow of money to take care of your life on the surface. And you justify it as adjacent to your career. So as long as you're amongst your peers and and Mm -hmm. in 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 that world still, you're like, oh, I'm doing it close enough, close enough, close enough. But then you realize, Mm -hmm. oh, I'm not pushing hard enough because I'm so comfortable. It's comfortable and it's um, easy. Like at a certain Mm -hmm. point, you know, I was I was registering people for classes. I was keeping track of some intern hours. I was building classes, you know, I learned the program that they would use and it was easy. You know, it was like, you show up to work, you do the job, you go home. Yeah. But then I remembered, I think this is true probably for any creative person that it's like, people use the word word soul sucking a lot. And I will say that that's what that was, but also my own fault. You know, I was in that tornado of paying my bills is all I need to do. And then I was sad on the inside. And it's like, okay, well, how can I do both of those things? So that mm-hmm. I eventually was, a- I'm grateful that I was able to leave and still pay my bills because that's still important, guys. But sure. um, it also, I was grateful for the community it brought me because like I wouldn't have crossed paths with people like both of you if I wasn't in the office. You know, I was a different 
um, I graduated behind a lot of people that I'm good friends with now, but people come in and out of that building or would come in and out of that building for community, you know, yeah. sometimes just for one show every six months. And it's like, oh my God, there's my good buddy, Dan back at all. It's so good to right. see him. What's he up to? You know, like, it's nice to see these people and still feel connected to him. So it was like tough to leave exactly the adjacentness was keeping me alive. It was like, I was on life support and that was the thing that was breathing for me. Yeah, mm. that's a great way, great way to explain it. Yeah. But also um, keeping you dependent upon it. Yeah. Yeah, well, and they wanted that, right? Like I was, of course. I was good at that job. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, all I had to do was answer phones and sign people up for classes and I could do that. I could be nice on the phone. I could be having a bad shitty day, but like, my parents taught me manners and that's never left my soul. So I'm good at customer service and they wanted me to stay there and I get it. And um, so that was tough too, because it's making a choice. It's asking permission, Jamie. It was, I had to ask myself yeah. permission to leave and that was scary. And let me ask you, did you have something lined up when you left? I know Jason wants to talk more about Second City probably. That's it, but, that's oh, it. Okay, uh, I was going to ask, what, what, what did you give yourself permission to, uh, to, yeah. to do next? Yeah, I didn't. I had, so earlier that same year that I left Second City, I had worked as an associate producer on a show called Great Minds with Dan Harmon. And it was on the History Channel. It was an amazing show. He was, the cliff note version is, he and his assistant Spencer built a simulacrum machine and brought historical figures back through time for 24 hours. So it would be like um, uh, William Shakespeare would come through the machine and Dan Harmon would play Dan Harmon and show him our world now for 24 hours. And each of the, I think it was 18 episodes, there were 15 minutes, like I said, um, but each guest was like an amazing improviser or comedic talent. We had people like um, Jack Black and Aubrey, Aubrey Plaza. Um, we had Paul F. Tompkins do an episode, Ron Funches do an episode, uh, Gillian Jacobs. I mean, it was an amazing cast of rotating comedic people. And um, it was truly only like Spencer, Dan, and this guest for each episode. Wow. And my friend's production company was the production company on it. And he was like, you got to be in the room with Dan Harmon. Like, I can do this. I can get you in the room as an associate producer. You can essentially be, it was like a, I was essentially like the scripty and associate producer and helped brainstorm and write some episodes. And I was the only one that they didn't know. And I got to say, Dan Harmon is an, a comedic genius and could not have been uh can you still hear me? My yeah. earpods yeah. did something. Oh, he could not have been kinder to me as a nobody. I was a nobody. Um, so I'd done that show while working at Second City because they shot on the weekends. It was like a side job for everybody. So I did 18 episodes. So it was like every weekend I was on set for, you know, 18 hours, wow. both days. And, and um, when I was leaving Second City, I didn't have a job lined up, but I was like, I want to do that. I want to be there. I want to be in that world. I know it's possible. I got a taste of it and nothing was lined up. And I kind of just, it's one of those, I hate to say this because it's so cliche, but it's like one of those jump and the net will appear. Yeah. And mm -hmm. I did. And it did. And a couple, a couple months later, actually 
about six weeks later when I was like starting to panic, my friend, same friend called me for that production company was like, Hey, we're doing a pilot of the show called safe words. Do you want to be an associate producer on it? And it was just the pilot at the time. And I said, yes. And that was it. I mean, I got that job and it turns out that sometimes TV shows get picked up and you get to do the job. And uh, if you're nice to people and you do what you say you're going to do on set, and if you do the job you say you're going to do, sometimes people rehire you and it's like, holy shit, this is working. And Uh so that's how I got out of it. I mean, it was a true leap of faith. I was just, you know, young enough to do it and dumb enough to expect that I wasn't going to just crash and burn. And I, and I did it. Yeah. And did you feel like as you're in this new job, you've left Second City and, and, the, and the net has caught you. Do you feel as you're doing this job, I'm, this is a side job. I'm still, this is not my thing. This is, or did you feel like I have found something and this could be my new thing? Yeah, no, no. It was a side or, job. A part I, of I, yeah. Yeah. I was like, I don't, I'm not a producer. I don't know what that means. Uh, I don't, I want to write TV. I want to be acting on TV. And I, um, I thought of it as a side job in that, who am I to produce your TV show? How dare I? try to even like move up in this world but like I want to be around it I want to see how it works um which is why I think people are like you should PA because that will give you the same kind of inner workings of how shows happen um but yeah no to answer your question I don't think in that moment I was like who's gonna hire me to produce anything who am I but I just kept doing it and then I realized the the secret to that side of it is like the unscripted world as a producer you're the creative producer you're the writer of that show right you just it's not Mm -hmm. union yeah and so I was like oh maybe this is something I could do um but it was like a it was a definite slow burn yeah Mm -hmm. and that burn kept going because you did that show you did um I mean go big show marriage pact um which was it was only a pilot right or it's the well it's only a pilot so far no so um I've done a, a ton of stuff I only gave you guys a like short list because like we're not here okay. to we're not here to just, do the resume it, it would take like, up the whole time the it's just oh, like yeah. bang boom 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 you right. know I've who's done, got time right I've done a lot of like pilots and stuff but marriage pact uh I just got back from we we shot the whole season in okay Columbia um, oh. that is something, it's an interesting turn in my career because I mostly do either, you know, like the Dan Harmon show is technically unscripted, but there were, there were improvisers. So there was like yeah. a script that they didn't. It's use, not reality you know. television. It's <laughs> not reality, yeah. but marriage pact is reality, which is like, you know, still under the unscripted umbrella. Yeah. Um, but for marriage pact, I was the host producer, which is the host writer. Um, mm-hmm. so what I did was scripted but again not wga so we get the producer title um but it's um it's just like it just keeps going and if if i take anything from the second city improv world into my career if i if i look back at it it's saying yes to these shows you know like i didn't know what i was doing i that's the thing no one knows what they're doing and you take the job and you figure it out it's like oh this job, Safe Word, for example, was like kind of a game show, comedy game show. 
And it's like, I don't know how to write a game show, but it's like, okay, well, we need a game. And it's like, oh, I can make a game up. Okay, well, we need to make some jokes happen within the game. It's like, oh, I can write jokes. And it's like, okay, we need to make teams and we need to make it kind of flow with the host. And then it's like, oh, well, we know the game, we know the jokes, it, you know, it's just like, yeah. it's a puzzle. You put the pieces together. It's like, oh, I guess I can produce a TV show, I guess. It's improv. That's it's amazing. improv. Which yeah. is all yeah. games and putting pieces together and layering it. Yeah. Yeah. That's yep. crazy. So That's great. It just kind of like keeps snowballing. And, you know, now on the same vein, there have been a handful of shows that I've said no to because now I know what I like doing. But if I hadn't said yes in the first place, I wouldn't know that. So like, it's a cool, still slow burn where it's like, you know, I think I, I told you guys I did a pilot in Vegas a couple years ago and it's a reality show and I was a producer on it and I try to stay away from producing reality um, because these reality producers and reality productions are so hard these reality mm. teams can run laps around scripted people it is they're so good at their jobs these camera guys are running cameras 24 hours a day I mean it's insane they're so good and they're weaving stories out of nothing that regular normal humans do you know in this house or whatever it is they're amazing reality tv crews are unstoppable they can they should they should run this country it's unbelievable but mm. it's hard and it's like i don't want that. <laughs> i get it I, I don't want that and i also don't want to mess with people's real lives and i think i've been lucky enough to work with people when i do reality that are very uh they have a ton of integrity and they don't mess with people's lives but we all know there are some shows out there that create drama that doesn't exist probably yeah um and I don't I don't want to get stuck in that world so I did a pilot that was a reality show and these girls were great they were amazing um this was with a uh, uh, pageant show for girls with disabilities different that was a docu-series um yeah. Ah. Yeah, this Vegas show this this Vegas show was like a a bunch of women running a salon and it oh. ended up getting picked up and they asked me to produce it to be a story producer or you know in the field with them help out and I loved the cast I loved the production company and it was like a hard no for me because I mm. knew what it was and yeah. the girls knew what it was which was felt good but um that production company was like but please just like think of it as a paycheck. And I was like, I don't, I don't want to, I want the money. And, you know, so it's a cool balance of being able to like still listen to that soul that got me out of second city. Yeah. If I'm yeah. being honest, yeah. following that, yeah. that path. But the one, um, Beebs, the one that you brought up this docu-series, this was a pilot I did last year and it's about, it is, it changed my life. This, this show changed my life. And I, I am begging anyone that works at a network to pick it up because it is magic. These girls are magic. It's about um, a pageant called Miss Amazing. And it's a pageant for girls and young women. And actually, I think up to 35 year old women uh, with disabilities. They're all differently abled. Some are cognitive disabilities. Some are physical. Some are both. Some are, you know, invisible to the naked eye um but this pageant is it sounds the word pageant is um not accurate but it's how they 
it's as close as you can get to describing it. Um, it's teaching these girls and women to advocate for themselves. So they get on stage and all they have to do is um, introduce themselves, that's one section. And then the next section is they do a talent and by talent, you can get out there and just, um, one girl did a baking section. Um, one girl did like a line dance, you know, one girl just get out, got out there and like, um, introduced all of her stuffed animals, you know, like it was whatever you want it to be. And then, uh, there's an evening gown se section where, um, the one, the pageants that I went to, a uh, uh, frat boys actually were their escorts and they got to pick who escorted them on stage. And all they do is walk out in a different dress and they leave and then everyone gets a crown. Um, everyone is a winner. And then there's one bigger winner of each age group and that bigger winner goes to nationals. And so we did a docu-follow of a couple of the regional pageants and these girls have been through the, the worst of the worst in life. And they have so much sparkle and so much shine to them that it's, we can learn so much from watching these girls grow and advocate for themselves. And, you know, if one of, one of the girls, if she made it on stage, that's a victory for her and everyone's clapping and everyone's supporting her. And, um, they've had a tough life. And one thing I got to do all of the, um, interviews. So I was interviewing moms, I was interviewing the, the girls, friends. And one thing I would ask all the, the parents or guardians of these beautiful women. I was like, listen, if someone, if you were to give um, the world, I gave you a microphone and the world can hear you right now. What's one piece of advice you would give to the world about your daughter or your, your, um, your person or about the disability, uh, disabled community? Um, and they were like, just say hi. You see them. We see you see them. They see you see them. Just say hi. And they think that they've made a best friend. And they will talk about you for days and you made their whole day. And I'm sitting, you know, like I'm doing the interview. So I'm like sitting next to the camera, not mic'd, but trying not to cry all the time and still sobbing and like breathing into my sweater because like trying not to fuck up this beautiful recording. And it's like magic. I mean, anyway, I could talk about these girls forever, but that show, I never thought I would do anything in the docu world. I didn't think I was smart enough or, um, um, you know, I come from comedy. So like, I didn't think it was in my wheelhouse, yeah. but the docu follow world is unbelievable. And if you, yeah. if anyone gets lucky enough to do a show that's inspiring like that and, and meet people that just rock your world, it's, it's really a cool, a really cool experience. I would drop anything and, and take that series because it's not at all what I see my career being, but it, it really, they changed my life. Those girls changed my life. That's, That's amazing. Yeah. I love that. And I think through all that, um, finding something that you're passionate about like that <clears throat> is life affirming and changing that like we do grow. Mm -hmm. And while mm -hmm. acting is, your everything, my everything, Jason's everything. It's not the only thing. Like that's right. And you can always be an actor your entire life, and parts will come, and, and you can do free things, and you can make your own stuff. But being able to go, 
oh, I'm not going to die if I don't do this. Like I'm really enjoying this aspect of me that I Mm -hmm. have to sort of mute because I was told to for so long and just focus on that one thing. Mm -hmm. It's huge. It's huge. And and I will say like the, the, I felt so fulfilled, not only telling these girls stories, but there was a part of me that was like, again this improvising it's so stupid and like silly sounding but like as an interviewer that's all I was doing with these girls like I knew a handful of questions that I needed to get from them but I'm just listening to them and I'm responding and I'm asking them questions and and uh it I felt satisfied as a performer almost because I have to be their sounding board you know if there's someone behind the camera there was another guy who I absolutely adore, who was a shooter producer. So he was running the camera and he's done so many reality shows, so many interviews in his life. He's so good at it. And I was like, I'm sorry, Gannon. I I think it's better if I do the interviews because these are all young women and they inherently trust me more than you. And he's like, you're totally right. So it was just like, I felt like it was, you know, just us in that room. And I don't know. It was like all of my performance was part of it in, in the mm-hmm. way that like still literally behind the camera, but making sure that they feel comfortable. And I'm like giving them all of that. You know, it was, if anyone's out there listening, we, we got to pick this show up. It's magic. That's great. I'm They're out here listening. Yeah. And I'm surprised that hasn't been picked up yet. That's, um, you know, considering all the, um, platforms true true, no true crime docuseries of Mm -hmm. um uh crimes against women could we show something about women that isn't making us a victim but Mm -hmm. making us an advocate of ourselves it would be nice to have the counterbalance to that right and honestly in spite of it because yeah i gotta tell you like one of the girls i'll stop talking about them in a second but one of the girls had such a terrible, awful thing in her life happen that her mom brought it to her state Senate and then to DC and got a law passed in her name to protect these girls. Like it's in spite of these, look, I'm a true crime freak. I love it. I, I can't, I can't get enough of it, but it's like, you're right. In spite of all of this stuff that could have turned, it could have honestly turned a full different direction and would have been in that whole category of crime true crime and uh in spite of it even in spite of this beautiful angel's differently abled soul mm-hmm. she's a victor she's a victim it's a victory because she's got a law passed to protect hundreds and thousands of women now that's it's amazing um, yeah and yeah there's no it's I'm just shocked that it hasn't been picked up. Like, yeah, especially with all the streaming. Like, even Roku has streaming. Which I didn't I, know. Well, that's like, where Marriage Roku. Pact is. Yeah. Oh, Ooh. that's why I know it now. I was like, yeah. Roku has streaming? And I yeah. is that new? I feel like that's got to so. be new. I think so. And it's also what mm-hmm. I learned. Because I don't, I didn't have, I don't have a Roku. But I learned it's, you can download it and it's free. It's like, a, I think it's like a Peacock. That's amazing. Which is not free. I do want to back up. No? I do want to back up for a show really, really, really quick because mm. um, my son is obsessed with Phoebe Herman, 
Oh. And Jason was traveling this weekend, and he he's watched Pee Wee's Big Adventure, Pee Wee's Playhouse, oh, uh, Big Tap Big Pee Wee, Pee-wee. Big Tap Pee Wee. And what's the <laughs> latest one? The newest one was um, Pee Wee's Great uh, Big Vacation. Big Vacation. So he's seen Ooh. them all. He loves Pee Wee, and we had a picture of Blippy come up on the screen mm. in like a little thing, and he goes, "Mom, he's so smart." I'm, I'm not kidding you. And he goes, "Is Blippy based on or informed by?" informed by Wee herman and i said i haven't watched blippy what do you think and he goes i watched the trailer i think it's informed by Wee mm-hmm. herman oh and I was like, and my you, you worked on blippy so but i want to ask you because you worked <laughs> on blippy is it is blippy informed by Wee herman i mean my god now hilarious now i have to go i now i have to go ask uh moonbug the production company because I I don't know I would say he's right though inferring that it's probably not based on but more informed by mm-hmm. so, God <laughs> Jack he's funny he's really smart he's really smart, he's really smart smarter than me um I did yeah I did Terrified. one episode of Blippy those guys are awesome those guys crank out content like yeah. they're so good they're fast and efficient and for them, I did um, l- slightly less of a creative position, more of a straight-up producer, and um, it was a—it's actually out now. It's a Blippy Lego. Um, I'm sorry, Blippy Lego. Don't know. It's Blippy Play-Doh. Mm. Um, uh, you know, cross promotion, and That's it was so fun. fun. And it's so funny because it—you know—I tell parents that it's a—I did Blippy, and they're like, "Oh." my god and like I didn't know who this guy was it's like he's a he's like kitty crack I think for some kids yeah not not Jack he he's a peewee guy yeah Jack it. Jack has, is um, he, he's got cousins who are into Blippi yeah and now yeah. he's he's found the Blue's Clues movie and he's like uh did I watch Blue's Clues when I was young and I'm like you still are young but no you were baby you were watching yeah. 1979 were episodes of Sesame Street in 19 19- he liked the years of 79 to like 84 of Sesame Street, which bless his heart. Yeah, classic. Um, classic. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he's not watching Blippi, but his cousins do. He yeah, it's fun. It's fun. Those guys are great. They're two, they're two Blippies. So oh. they can like spread out and conquer the country. And- there, are, there are two Blippies? That's terrifying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Are they yeah. twins the original, or? No, yeah. the original and then... Um, Clayton is the the new one that I worked with. He's wonderful. Um, he's just like they look similar, yeah, but different. The kids can tell them apart. I'll tell you that the kids kids know the difference between the two Blippies, but they just kind of coexist in the Blippy universe, I suppose. I, well, he, well, that would be like what's the um, alter Superman? Like this is like yeah, Clark Kent. No, 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 no! Like that's just normal Superman. It's normal. Oh, that's super. That's just <laughs> secret identity, not his alternate. Uh-huh. Okay. You, Jack you think is always ca- like, "There's got to be like a Shazam in an alter universe." Like, mm-hmm. and I'm like, "Sure, sure, 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 whatever." Sometimes I'm not listening. He's too smart. I don't get it. I've got other things yeah. to worry about. He's beyond me yeah. in the scope of what I can really. Yeah. Guest all the time. Got a fully developed brain in a seven-year-old. That's terrifying. I'm I'm constantly on my heels. <laughs> I, I don't have enough knowledge to bring to a conversation about the Blippy multiverse. But what I yeah, want to know okay. is, 
I want to know this too. Has it made it easier that for you that most casting for the past two years has gone to self tape? Are you finding a it? thousand percent? Okay. Yeah. You know, I, I feel miss, like I miss being in the it. room though. Yes. Yes. A hundred percent. But I don't miss trying to get to an audition, trying to park, getting into their waiting room, getting psyched out, going in for 30 seconds and then saying, mm -hmm. okay, bye. Um, yeah. So yeah. But I also, but I, I miss being in the room and I miss not being able to see me at my audition. I don't want to see my auditions anymore. Yeah. I don't yeah, want to edit I, and send it in. Yeah. I miss that too. You know, it's, it's the give and take a little bit. I think yeah. I have some friends that are uh, casting directors and I think they miss being in the room too. Cause that's why they got into casting. Yes. Um, sure. And that's the biggest bummer of it, but it is so easy. You, you can know, work once you now. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You can actually mm -hmm. hold your job and not get fired, not get written up, not have to worry about leaving. It's yep. <sighs> it is. Although they nice might ask way. you why you've set up a studio in your office. Yeah, well, they can. They can. You say it's for along. Zoom. It's and for the, Zoom. The walk-in yeah. fridge. Yeah. Um, Listen, Kevin. Why don't you go mind your business and get your decaf coffee? Yeah. Seriously. <laughs> I want to ask you about a couple more things you put down because we've we've taken oh we've taken well, up a lot of your time. Oh yeah, but speaking of interning, you interned in casting, and I've been in casting. Yes. I love casting. Casting is so. Fabulous. Listen, casting is fabulous. It you you mentioned to me when we when you asked me to do the podcast. It's good, bad, and ugly. This is the the ugly of it. Mm -hmm. um, mm. Not not the the casting office was amazing. One of my best friends in the whole world was the casting, I think she was an associate at the time. She's now casting director, um, Erica Silverman Breen. She's wonderful. I, I love, love her. Erica Silverman. Um, she is truly, I, I call her like, we call each other sisters from, you know, it's not like different misters, but like, she's like my, she's, she was my first friend in this town. She was, took me under her wing immediately. She was 100% you're good. And I love her with my whole soul. So it was in her office and they knew I was an actor. And uh, so she let me watch everything. She let me do everything with her. I would run the camera for these auditions. And this was back in the day when um, it was for Criminal Minds. And sure. I was, I was uh, just a, you know, tiny tot. I was maybe 22. Um, and I would run the camera and the director, producer and casting would all be in the room. Um, they moved so fast already at that time on that show in particular yeah. that they would usually audition people and maybe the next day, often the next day they would shoot. So like it was very fast, very um, constantly going. They were a, a great well-oiled machine. So I'd sat in at this point on a couple of auditions, um, probably a couple weeks worth at this point. And so I, I, knew the, I knew the gig. I'm setting up the camera. I'm in the back of the room. I hit record. All of that. Erica's reading with the with the actors and everyone's in and out. And there, there's this one day, and I don't, I honestly don't remember the episode or the part, but I remember this day um, that every woman is getting the same note from the director, every woman. So it's something in the sides and I don't remember what it was. And it wasn't bad. No one's getting bad feedback. It's just like something in the sides wasn't giving the actor enough information that the director, every single time someone auditioned, they had to like adjust each time you know you, we've all been there as actors where you like you get a part and it's like you you know you're a tour guide and you're like all high, high energy and you get a note from casting like actually 
um, you know, there's somebody on the back of the tour bus that just barfed and whatever. You get it. Yeah. yeah. Um, really fully adjusted the scene. And most of the girls were taking the notes. These girls, I think it was a guest star. They were doing so well. Everyone did a really good job adjusting. And then we had one person, um, one woman that was running late for the audition. And she called and her, her agent was like, she's on the way. Do you guys mind waiting? And casting and the director and the producer were like, no. Um, but Carrie, why don't you go meet her at the gate and give her the note? Just give her the note before she even gets in the room because we've given it to everybody. And I was like, got it, no problem. So I've got my little clipboard and I got my pen and I'm waiting for her. And she comes in like a fucking tornado. I get it. We were stuck in traffic, the, exactly what you were just talking about, Jamie. And it, it's a nightmare. You're in your head. And I was like, hey, um, uh, I have a note for you from the director before you go in there. You know, I'm walking with her to the little bungalow and I give her the note and she was like, who are you? And I was like, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, no, I'm a casting intern. And he asked me to give you the note. And she's like, well, I have to pee. Uh, where's the bathroom? And I was like, oh, take your time. Why don't you just like take a breath? The bathroom's over there. I'll wait here, you know, and then we'll go in together. She comes out of the bathroom. She was just like so rude and curt to me. And I was like, okay, so just a reminder, this is the note from the director. He's been giving it to everyone. So it's, you know, no offense, but like, it's just to save us a little bit of time. And she was like, oh, whatever. And like blows past me, goes in the room. You know, I go to the back of the room. I, I run the camera. She fucking nails the audition. It's flawless, flawless, perfect. Exactly what they've been looking for all day. We've been in there all day. And she does the one take and he's like, that's great. All right, I think we've seen enough. And she was like, okay, she's out of there. So I'm like packing up everything in the back of the room, you know, wires because cameras weren't on phones before and, right. um, and so I'm putting everything away, you know, taking away the tripods and they're split. The room split. Uh, I think it's like three people to three people, one actor versus an another. And the director doesn't know me from anybody. You know, I just happened to be in the room and he's like, Hey, Carrie, um, who did you like better? And I'm like, oh shit, the girl that was just in is on the table on another woman. And I was like, um, and I look at Erica and I remember this moment so clearly because I'm, this is very similar to the dog walking moment. I'm a baby. I don't know what I'm doing. I was like, <laughs> um, well, do you want me to be honest or, or not? And he's like, oh yeah, yeah. Tell me what you think. And I was like, okay, well, this woman's performance was the best. Um, and the other girl was really, really good, but this girl's performance was the best. And he's like, why are you saying it like that? And I was like, oh, she was really mean to me when she got here. And he was like, okay, got it. He took her headshot and put it in the trash can. Yeah. And they had made their decision. And I was like, wow. Everyone leaves the room and I'm with Erica. And I was like, oh my God, what did I just do? She's like, you did the absolute right thing. I mean, no one wants to work with an asshole. She's going to be mean to you who's giving her setting her up for success and literally gave her the best read that I've ever seen her do. Some, you know, some words like that. This was a long, long time ago. She's like, but no one wants to work with an asshole. And I was like, okay. Okay, we're gonna let her go because I feel like we've had her forever. Um, really it's been that. awesome. I know, it's been so, so fun. fun. Thank you guys. I really am so happy to be here. And um, maybe one day I can hug you again. That would be amazing. I'm doing it. Oh, sweet.
So why'd you come? 